0: FOSS CORPORATION, LLC. Welcome to The Mansion on the Hill. This is the home of Terry's serious moments, stories of oddness, of weirdness. Of nature gone strange. This is season four. We thank you for coming along for the ride. Hope you enjoy it. Butch, Sundance, and Etta. What really happened? Robert Leroy Parker born April 13, 1866, and was written off the records November 7, 1908, was better known as Butch Cassidy. He was an American trained and bank robber and the leader of a gang of criminal outlaws known as the Wild Bunch in the Old West. Parker engaged in criminal activity for more than a decade at the end of the 19th century, but the pressures of being pursued by law enforcement notably the Pinkerton Detective Agency, forced him to flee the country. He fled with his accomplice, Harry Alonzo Longabaugh, known as the Sundance Kid, and Longabaugh's girlfriend at a place. The trio traveled first to Argentina and then to Bolivia, where Parker and Longabaugh are believed to have been killed in a shootout with the Bolivian Army in November of 1908. The exact circumstances of their fate continue to be disputed. Robert Leroy Parker was born in Beaver, Utah Territory, the first of thirteen children of British immigrants Maximilian Parker and Anne Campbell Gillies. The Parker and Gillies families had converted to the Mormon faith while still living in the United Kingdom. Maximilian Parker was 12 years old when his family arrived in Salt Lake City in 1856 as Mormon pioneers. Ann Gillies was born and lived in Tyneside in northeast England before immigrating to the U.S. with her family in 1859 at age 14. The couple were married in July of 1865. Robert Parker grew up on his parents' ranch near Circleville which is approximately 215 miles south of Salt Lake City. Parker fled his home as a teenager and while working on a dairy ranch, met cattle thief Mike Cassidy. He subsequently worked at several ranches in addition to a brief apprenticeship with a butcher in Rock Springs, Wyoming, where he got his nickname, the job Butcher, which was later adapted into Butch to which he soon added the last name Cassidy in honor of his old friend and mentor. Butch Cassidy's first criminal offense was minor. Around 1880, he journeyed to a clothier's shop in another town, but found it closed. He broke into the shop and stole a pair of jeans and some pie, leaving an IOU promising to pay on his next visit. The clothier pressed charges, but Cassidy was acquitted by a jury. He continued to work on ranches until 1884 when he moved to Telluride, Colorado, ostensibly to seek work, but perhaps to deliver stolen horses to buyers. Cassidy led a cowboy's life in Wyoming and Montana before returning to Telluride in 1887, where he met Matt Warner, the owner of a racehorse. Cassidy and Warner raced the horse at various events, dividing the winnings between them. Cassidy's first bank robbery took place on June 24, 1889, when he and Warner and two of the McCarty brothers robbed the San Miguel Valley Bank in Telluride. The businessman, L.L. Nunn, had taken a controlling interest in the bank the previous year. The robbers stole approximately $21,000, after which they fled to the robber's roost, which was a remote hideout in southeastern Utah. In early 1894, Cassidy became involved romantically with rancher and outlaw Ann Bassett. Her father was a rancher who did business with Cassidy, supplying him with fresh horses and beef. That same year, Cassidy was arrested at Lander, Wyoming for stealing horses and possibly for running a protection racket among the local ranchers there. He was imprisoned in the Wyoming State Prison in Laramie, where he spent 18 months of a two-year sentence. He was released and pardoned in January of 1896 by Governor William Alford Richards. Cassidy associated with a wide circle of criminals, most notably his closest friend William Ellsworth or LZ Lay, Harvey Kid Curry Logan, Ben Kilpatrick, Harry Tracy, Will News Carver, Laura Bullion, and George Flatnose Curry, who collectively became known as the Wild Bunch. The gang assembled sometime after Cassidy's release from prison in 1896 and took its name from the Doolin-Dalton gang, which was also known as the Wild Bunch. On August 13, 1896, Cassidy, Lay, Logan, and Bob Meeks robbed the bank at Montpelier, Idaho, escaping with approximately $7,000. Cassidy recruited Harry Alonzo Longabaugh, also known as the Sundance Kid, into the gang soon after. Bassett, Lay, and Lay's girlfriend, Maud Davis, all joined Cassidy at Robbers Roost in early 1897. The four hid there until early April when Lay and Cassidy sent the women home so the men could plan their next robbery. They ambushed a small group of men carrying the payroll of the Pleasant Valley Coal Company in the mining town of Castlegate, Utah on April 22, 1897, stealing a sack containing $7,000 in gold with which they fled back to the robber's roost. On June 2, 1899, the gang robbed a Union Pacific Overland Flyer passenger train near Wilcox, Wyoming, a robbery which earned them a great deal of notoriety and resulted in a massive manhunt. Many notable lawmen took part in the hunt, but they did not find them. Kid Curry and George Curry had a shootout with lawmen following the train robbery, killing Sheriff Joe Hazen. Pinkerton detective Charlie Seringo was then assigned the task of capturing the outlaws. He became friends with Elfie Landusky, who was using the last name Curry after becoming pregnant by Kid Curry's brother Lonnie Logan, and Seringo intended to locate the gang through her. On July 11th of 1899, Lay and others were involved in a Colorado and Southern Railroad train robbery near Folsom, New Mexico, which Cassidy might have planned and personally directed. A shootout ensued with local law enforcement during which Lay killed Sheriff Edward Farr and Henry Love. Lay was convicted of murder and sentenced to life imprisonment at the New Mexico State Penitentiary. The Wild Bunch typically separated following a robbery and fled in different directions later reuniting at a predetermined location, such as the Hole in the Wall, Robber's Roost, or Fanny Porter's Brothel in San Antonio, Texas, which is not a glowing recommendation for my Airsat's hometown, but hey, it was a different time and attitude. Also in 1899, Cassidy approached Utah Governor Heber Wells to negotiate an amnesty. Wells advised him to ask the Union Pacific Railroad to drop their criminal complaints against him, and Union Pacific Chairman E.H. Harriman attempted to meet with Cassidy. On August 29, 1900, Cassidy, Longbaugh, and others robbed Union Pacific Train Number 3 near Tipton, Wyoming, breaking Cassidy's earlier promise to the governor of Wyoming and ending any chance for amnesty. On February 28, 1900, lawmen attempted to arrest Lonnie Logan at his aunt's home. Lonnie was killed in the shootout that followed, and his cousin Bob Lee was arrested for rustling and sent to prison in Wyoming. On March 28, George Curry and News Carver were pursued by a posse from St. John's, Apache County, Arizona. After using currency, which they had stolen in the Wilcox train robbery. The posse engaged them in a shootout during which deputies Andrew Gibbons and Frank LeSueur were killed while Carver and Curry escaped. On April 17th, George Curry was killed in a shootout with Grand County, Utah Sheriff John Tyler and Deputy Sam Jenkins. On May 26th, Kid Curry rode into Moab, Utah and killed both Tyler and Jenkins in another shootout in retaliation for the deaths of George and Lonnie. In December, Cassidy posed alongside Longabaugh, Logan, Carver, and Ben Kilpatrick in Fort Worth, Texas for the now famous Fort Worth Five photograph. This was the picture that the Pinkerton Detective Agency obtained a copy of in order to identify the men and use for wanted posters. On July 3rd of 1901, Kid Curry and a group of men robbed a great northern train near Wagner, Montana, stealing more than 60000 in cash. The gang split up, but a posse led by Sheriff Elijah Bryant caught up with News Carver and killed him. Kilpatrick was captured in St. Louis, Missouri, on November 5th at Josie Blakely's Resort on Chestnut Street. In his pocket, they found a key to a room at the Laclede Hotel. The next morning, they found Laura Bouillon in the lobby, checking out with her luggage. In her valise was $8,500 in unsigned banknotes from the Great Northern Robbery. Curry killed Knoxville policemen William Dinwiddie and Robert Saylor in another shootout on December thirteenth, then escaped. He returned to Montana, pursued by Pinkertons and other law enforcement officers, where he shot and killed rancher James Winters in retaliation for killing his brother Johnny years before. Cassidy and Longabaugh fled for New York City, feeling continuous pressure from the numerous law enforcement agencies pursuing them and seeing their gang fall apart. They departed from there to Buenos Aires, Argentina, aboard the British steamer Herminius on February 20, 1901, along with Longabaugh's companion at a place. Cassidy posed as James Ryan, Place's fictitious brother. They settled on a 15,000-acre ranch that they purchased on the east bank of the Rio Blanco near Cholila, just east of the Andes, on the Chubut, in the Lake District of Patagonia. It is known that Cassidy was at first content to make an honest living in Cholila through a letter he wrote to a friend back in Utah. It reads in part, I like this part of the world so much, I think I've settled down for good. I own 300 head of cattle, 1,500 head of sheep, and 28 riding horses. I have two helpers, a nice four-room house, barns, a stable, and a hen house. The only thing I need is a cook, since I am still unpleasantly single and many times feel lonely. Cassidy's time in Argentina may have been even more exciting than the tale's told about his exploits in the United States. According to reports, two English-speaking bandits held up the Banco de Terrapaca y Argentino in Rio Gallegos on February 14th of 1905, 700 miles south of Cholila near the Strait of Magellan, and the pair vanished north across the Patagonian grasslands. Cassidy and Longabaugh sold the Chilila Ranch on May 1st, fearing that law enforcement had located them. The Pinkerton Agency had known of their location for some time, but because of the snow and the hard winter of Patagonia, it had prevented their agent Frank DeMeo from making arrest. Governor Julio Lizana issued an arrest warrant. But Sheriff Edward Humphreys, who was a Welsh-Argentinian, who was friendly with Cassidy and had the hots for a Place, tipped them off. The trio then fled north to San Carlos de Bariloche, where they embarked on the steamer Condor, across Nahuel Huapi Lake, and into Chile. They returned to Argentina by the end of the year, and Cassidy, long and place with an unknown male associate, robbed the Banco de Nacion Argentina branch in Villa Mercedes on March 19th, 400 miles west of Buenos Aires, taking 12,000 pesos. The two traveled to Santa Cruz in late 1907, a frontier town in Bolivia's eastern savannah, still wanting to settle down as respectable ranchers. But their honest jobs didn't last long. Rumor had it that both Cassidy and Sundance were part of a robbery near San Vicente, Bolivia. A courier was carrying the payroll for the Arameo Franchi and Sia silver mine when he was attacked by two masked American bandits, believed to be Cassidy and Longabaugh. Witnesses saw them three days later in San Vicente, where they lodged in a small boarding house owned by miner Bonifacio Casasola. Casasola became suspicious of them when they had a mule from the Arameo mine identifiable from the company's brand he notified a nearby telegraph officer who notified the Abaroa Cavalry Regiment stationed nearby. The unit dispatched three soldiers under the command of Captain Justo Concha and they notified the local authorities. Historical belief is that this is where their luck ran out because a detachment of the Bolivian Army cornered them in a small cabin. The soldiers, the police chief, the local mayor, and some of his officials all surrounded the lodging house on the evening of November 6th intending to arrest the Arameo robbers. But as they approached the house, the bandits opened fire, killing one soldier and wounding another and starting a gunfight. The mayor heard a man scream three times inside the house, then two successive shots were fired. Only then did the soldiers enter the building. They found both men dead with numerous bullet wounds to the arms and legs. The man assumed to be Longabaugh had a bullet wound in the forehead, and the man thought to be Cassidy had a bullet wound in his temple. The local police report speculated that, judging from the positions of the bodies, Cassidy had probably shot the fatally wounded Longabaugh to put him out of his misery, then killed himself. According to history, this was the end of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, the infamous Bandidos Yankee, or was it? The Tupiza police identified the bandits as the men who robbed the Arameo payroll transport, but the Bolivian authorities didn't know their real names, nor could they positively identify them. The bodies were buried at the small San Vicente Cemetery, near the grave of a German miner named Gustav Zimmer. American forensic anthropologist Clyde Snow and his researchers attempted to find the graves in 1991 but they did not find any remains with DNA matching the living relatives of Cassidy and Longabaugh. John McPhee's Annals of the Former World repeats a story that Dr. Francis Smith told a geologist, David Love, in the 1930s. Smith stated that he had seen Cassidy, who told him that his face had been altered by a surgeon in Paris. And he showed Smith an old bullet wound which Smith recognized as work that he had done. Josie Bassett claimed in 1960 that Cassidy had come to visit her in the 1920s after returning from South America, and that he died in Johnny, Nevada about 15 years ago. In 2017, a new search was launched for Cassidy's grave, which zeroed in on a mine outside Good Springs, Nevada. The dig found human remains, but they did not match the DNA provided. Residents in Cassidy's hometown of Circleville, Utah claimed in an interview that he worked in Nevada until his death. Western historian Charles Kelly observed in his 1938 book, The Outlaw Trail, a history of Butch Cassidy and his Wild Bunch, that it seems exceedingly strange that Cassidy never returned to Circleville, Utah, to visit his father if he was still alive. According to his great-nephew, Bill Bettinson, he did return to Utah to visit his family in Circleville many times. Bruce Chatwin, in his classic travel book, In Patagonia, says, I went to see the star witness, that is, of Cassidy's survival, his sister, Miss Lula Parker Bettinson a forthright and energetic woman in her 90s. She has no doubts, her brother came back and ate blueberry pie with the family at Circleville around 1925. She believes he died of pneumonia in Washington state in the late 1930s. Over his criminal career, and possibly before, Parker used a number of aliases. George Parker, George Cassidy, Low Maxwell, James Santiago Maxwell James Ryan Butch Cassidy Santiago Lowe and Jim Lowe but what happened to the Sundance kid, a.k.a. Harry Alonzo Longabaugh If he survived the reported death in Bolivia and it has been reported in some quarters that the two men killed in San Vicente that day were not Butch and Sundance, then where'd he go? Some have claimed that one or both men survived the gunfight and returned to the United States. One of these claims was that Longabaugh lived under the name of William Henry Long in the small town of Duquesne, Utah. Long died in 1936, and his remains were exhumed in December of 2008 and subjected to DNA testing. Anthropologist John McCullough stated Long's remains did not match the DNA which they had gotten from a distant relative of the Sundance Kid. Does that mean that Long was not Sundance? By no means. Longaball was born in Pennsylvania in 1867 to Josiah and Annie Longabaugh. He was the youngest of five, at the age of 15 he went west, and in 1887, He began his criminal career, apparently. He stole a gun, horse, and saddle from a ranch in Sundance, Wyoming. He was captured by authorities and sentenced to 18 months in jail, and he adopted the nickname Sundance Kid during that time. After his release, he went back to working on a ranch, and he worked at the Bar U Ranch in Alberta, Canada, which was one of the biggest commercial ranches at the time. After this, he fell in with the Wild Bunch, and thus began his criminal life in earnest. And of course, we know how history says it all ended, there in a small house in San Vicente, Bolivia. I choose to believe that Butch and Sundance made it home. Now, there's not much more to say about Sundance, because he parallels Butch for the next quite a few years. But wait, there's more. What of the lady referred to as the Consort of Sundance? What a Vetta Place. According to a memorandum from the Pinkerton Detective Agency, dated July 29th of 1902, she was said to be from Texas. In another Pinkerton document, dated 1906, she is described as being 27 or 28 years old, placing her birth between 1878 and 1879. A hospital staff record from Denver, where she received treatment in May of 1900, reports her age as 22 or 23, putting her birth year at 1877 or 78. On February 2001, she sailed with Butch and Sundance, and Butch was posing as James Ryan, her fictional brother, aboard the ship Herminius from Buenos Aires. And Etta and Sundance would make several trips back to the U.S. over the next few years. Once visiting Coney Island, during a visit with Sundance's family, now living in New Jersey. And this trip may have included a trip to Buffalo, New York, to see a doctor, with no cause given, and then continued out west to Denver, where they met with another doctor, no cause given. They returned to their ranch in Argentina, but around two years later, she and Sundance visited the U.S. again, stopping in Fort Worth, Texas, and then visiting the 1904 world's fair in st louis the pinkertons missed their chance to arrest the pair when they returned to argentina the sale of their ranch of which she was part owner depressed her as did the constantly being on the run from the law in the relentless although slow pursuit by the pinkertons at her request on june thirtieth of nineteen o six sundance accompanied her from valparaiso chile to San Francisco, where she apparently remained while he returned permanently to South America. After this parting, there is no evidence that the two ever saw each other again. Years later, eyewitnesses said that Place was one of only five women known to have been allowed into the Wild Bunch hideout at Robbers Roost in southern Utah. The other four having been Will Carver's girlfriend, Josie Bassett, who was also involved with Parker for a time, Josie's sister and Parker's longtime girlfriend, Ann Bassett, Elsie Lay's girlfriend, Maud Davis, and gang member, Laura Bullion. Place was believed to have once been married to a schoolteacher, and at least one person claimed Place herself was a teacher who abandoned her husband and two children to be with Longabaugh. It has also been speculated that she met the gang while working as a prostitute and was originally Parker's lover and became involved with Longabaugh later. But there is no direct evidence of this. It has also been claimed that she may have met Parker and or Longabaugh in the brothel of Madame Fanny Porter in San Antonio, which was frequented by members of the Wild Bunch. Several gang members met girlfriends at Madam Porter's, who later traveled with him, including Kid Curry and Della Moore, a prostitute, and Will Carver and Lily Davis. Wild Bunch female gang member Laura Bullion is believed to have worked at the brothel from time to time. It has been suggested that Place's real name was Ethel Bishop. Such a woman lived at another brothel, at 212 Concho Street, around the corner from Madam Porter's. On the 1900 census, Bishop's occupation was given as unemployed music teacher. Born in West Virginia in September of 1876, she was 23 at the time. The Ethel Bishop hypothesis combines the claim that she was a school teacher with the one that she was a prostitute. Another conjecture is that she was a cattle rustler named Ann Bassett. We've heard of her before who knew and ran with the Wild Bunch at the turn of the 20th century. Both Bassett and Place were attractive women, with similar facial features, body frame, and hair color. Bassett was born in 1878, the same year that Place was thought to have been born. Dr. Thomas Kyle of the Computer Research Group at Los Alamos National Laboratory, who performed many photographic comparisons for government intelligence agencies, conducted a series of tests on photographs of Etta Place and Ann Bassett. Both had the same scar or cowlick at the top of their forehead. Dr. Kyle concluded that there could be no reasonable doubt they were the same person. Historian Doris Karen Burton also investigated the lives of both women and published a book in 1992, claiming they were one and the same. However, Bassett's and Place's chronologies do not align. Several documents prove that Bassett was in Wyoming during much of the time when Place was in South America. Bassett was arrested and briefly incarcerated in Utah for rustling cattle in 1903, while Place was in South America with Longabaugh and Parker. Bassett also married her first husband in Utah that year and therefore could not have been in South America during that time. A once popular theory held that she was Eunice Gray who for many years operated a brothel in Fort Worth, Texas, and later ran the Waco Hotel there until she died in a fire in January of 1962. Gray once told Delbert Willis of the Fort Worth Press, I've lived in Fort Worth since 1901, that is, except for the time I had to hightail it out of town. Went to South America for a few years, until things settled down. Willis conceded that Gray never claimed to be at a place. He merely made that connection on his own, given the similarities in their ages and the period in which Gray said she was in South America coinciding with Place's time there. Gray was described as a beautiful woman, and Willis believed that Place and Gray held a striking resemblance to one another, but there were no known photographs of Gray from that period to compare with Place's. In 2007, Amateur genealogist Donna Donnell found Eunice Gray in a 1911 passenger list from Panama. Following that lead, she tracked down Gray's niece, who had two photographs of her, one taken at her high school graduation around 1896 and another from sometime in the 1920s. Comparing these photos to places, both agreed that Eunice was not her. Yet another theory suggests that Place was actually Madeline Wilson, another woman in Fanny Porter's brothel. Sleuth Tony Hayes noted that of the five women in Fanny's boarding house, all were born around 1878 to 1880. One woman, 22-year-old Wilson, appeared in the 1900 census records of Bear County, immediately beneath Madam Porter's name. Like Porter, Wilson was listed as being of English birth, immigrating to the United States in 1884 at the age of six. Hayes theorizes that Wilson changed her name and that her British accent, tempered by 16 years in America, might be described as refined. All traces of Wilson disappeared after the 1900 census, after Place and Longabaugh left town. There is still considerable debate over when Place's relationship with Longabaugh ended. Some claims indicate that Place ended her relationship with Longabaugh and returned to the United States before his death. Others believe that the two remained romantically involved and that she simply tired of life in South America. In 1907, she was known to have been living in San Francisco, but after that, she vanished without a trace. In 1909, a woman matching her description asked Frank Aller, who was the U.S. vice-counsel in Anafagasta, Chile, for assistance in obtaining a death certificate for Longabaw. No such certificate was issued, and the woman's identity was never ascertained. Author Richard Llewellyn claimed that while in Argentina, he found indications that Place had moved to Paraguay following the death of Longabaw, and that she had married a wealthy man. There were also rumors that Etta Place was, in fact, Edith May, wife of famous boxing promoter Tex Rickard, who retired to a ranch in Paraguay shortly after promoting the famous fight between Jack Johnson and Jim Jeffries in 1910. A Pinkerton report states that a woman matching Place's description was killed in a shootout, resulting from a domestic dispute with a man named Mateo Gebhardt and Chubut Chubut. Argentina, in March of 1922. Another report claims she committed suicide in 1924 in Argentina, and yet another states that she died of natural causes in 1966. There have been various additional claims about her life after the death of Longabaugh. Some believe she returned to New York City, others suggest she moved back to Texas. One claim is that she returned to her life as a schoolteacher, living the remainder of her life in Denver, and another story says she, she lived out her life in Marion, Oregon. There are also various claims that she returned to prostitution, living the remainder of her life in Texas, California, or New York. However, these claims are mere speculation with no supporting evidence. Author and researcher Larry Pointer, author of the 1977 book, in search of Butch Cassidy, wrote that places, identity, and fate were one of the most intriguing riddles in Western history. Leads develop only to dissolve into ambiguity. So, how do you believe? Did Butch and Sundance die in Patagonia, as history claims? Or did they return to the US and live their separate lives out? Did Etta, whoever she really was, ever find happiness? Or was she destined, as Butch and Sundance in the 1969 movie were told by the character of Sheriff Ray Bledsoe, to die bloody, and all you can do is choose where? If you want to contact me at Terry's Mysterious Moments, you can do that on the Facebook page, and it's called Terry's Mysterious Moments, or you can email me at Terry's Mysterious Moments at gmail.com. Contact me if you want to. Let's talk about some things. That's about it. We'll be back again soon. Hang in there. Listen to the other shows. Have a good week, everybody.